0: Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, Visit sogropr.com. That's S O W G R O W P R.com and click on the marketing council tab. Let's get growing.
1: My name is Sarah Stewart. I'm an account manager with Sogro PR and this is the Sogro Marketing Council. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization for executive level marketers. The purpose of the organization is to keep marketers ahead of the curve when it comes to the latest strategies and tools in multiple areas of marketing. Um, And provide networking and business development opportunities for all of us, which is very important. So um, how the meeting works, we each share a four minute tip. Um, I'll keep a timer and let people know definitely say your name and the company that you work for and your role and stuff like that. People will share their four-minute tip and then we'll have a minute afterwards for comments or questions. Um, Since we have sort of a small group today, Stephanie's not here, et cetera, you can probably go a little bit longer or we can go a little bit longer with questions or we can wrap up early and respect everyone's time. So today probably we'll go, um, I can go first if you guys want. I know Justin had a tip, Yana has a tip. Um, Tawab, do you have a tip today?
2: I didn't have a tip for this time, but next time. That's
1: fine, you're you're welcome to just watch. Um, Josh, do you have a tip? Uh, Not today. Not today, (laughs) Howard, do you have a tip? You can share anything. No, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, cool. All right, so I've got a slideshow, so I can take up lots of time. Um, Anyway, so let's take a picture before we get started. So everybody smile, this is for marketing. One, two, three, cheese.
2: Cheese.
1: Cheese.
2: Cheese.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that, extra cheese. Um, I like extra cheese. So I'm gonna share my screen. Um, We do a lot of content marketing. I do a lot of content calendars and content planning for our clients. you know, and it's really important to also, you know, not just do that content marketing, but always look back quarterly at what's working and what's not working. Um, I like to look back at our content um, for three, um, three month, six month, and 12 month intervals. Um, I like with social media to sort of give a little bit of space so I can see some of the trends and things like that. Um, and what's performing well on social channels because, you know, if you bunch it up too quickly, sometimes you don't see the cycles of what's going on. Um, So those are... um, When you're examining your content, I like to look at impressions and click-through rates. So impressions is how many times your content shows up, you know, on someone's screen, not necessarily they're engaging with your content. Um, You know, it can even be 50% of the screen. So, You know, just knowing that you've got those eyeballs, that type of thing for whatever whatever content that you posted the click through rate, however, is more about the engagement. So that's I got reactions, I got shares, I got those type of things. Um, And the difference is like this is LinkedIn and we do a lot of LinkedIn marketing and things like that. Um, You know, you can bring it up under updates is where we look and you've got the impression curve. but i want to show you this one so you can see the impressions but then the click through rate will give you the percentage and you know typically the higher that is the more people were engaging with that content so you know it's good to look at both things because you know you know it got that many followers it got that it got that far but if it you know got followers but it had a really low engagement rate i mean or if it had views but a low engagement rate that wasn't Such a great post. Um, Then the next thing I like to do is pull up, you know, compare. Pull up the top five for impressions. Look at that content. You know, what is it? What performed well? Um, And then pull up the top five for click-through rates. Is there anything different about those? You know, and again, what performed well? Then look at the bottom five posts and examine. You know, what did the worst? and then the winners and losers will surprise you. So, this is a company that we've been doing um, social media marketing for. And this post is like their highest performing post of all time. And it's just this, you know, some picture that someone took of this worker there doing like a Bernie Sanders thing, you know, but it's funny. And it's literally like it's the best performing over like a year and a half period. Um, so you need to watch that. Here's another high engagement post. Um, it's a Halloween picture with all the employees, um, did really well, got great engagement, great clicks, all that type of stuff. People love to see, you know, when you're posting for B2B, sometimes businesses can be so focused on being thought leaders and looking so important and putting their, shiny brand materials out there, they're forgetting their audience is also their employees, um, you know, and that they need to, and that even potential customers wanna see a happy company, a cool place to work. So you need to consider that audience and highlight those people, keep going. Here's another one that they posted that performed really well. Animals always do well on social media. It's just, you know, put a picture of a dog, you know cats etc whatever um those perform well here at a trade show they have this company does you know reflective gear for construction workers and safety workers and they had this cute dog that came by and had on a bunch of gear and this dog actually it was a double bonus the dog is an influencer with his own following so they also had some hits and extra impressions because the dog has his own instagram page of course he does of course he does. So low engagement. Here's some, you know, they they had like new branding, you know, nice and shiny, but it looks like an ad. Um, you know, this was one of the lowest engaging posts. You know, it looks like, oh, we've got stocks and sizes. You know, people when they're looking at social media, they're watching social media at night while they're watching TV and they're flipping through and scrolling and like they'll see something like that and they're just like next not very interesting um here's another low engagement um looks like website copy text heavy very serious i mean it's important to be serious when it's you know when it fits with a serious situation and there's certainly um companies banks you know i mean this company standards is very important but like this is just text heavy and then a branded photo It, it It didn't do very well. So what next? Um, Review your content quarterly, um, adjust your content based on performance, look at those posts that are the highest performing, and try to be personal. Really think with those posts that you're putting out there. You know people are thinking of your post as a person. I mean they want to see something that they can connect with. This is um, an influencer who um, Got some products with one of our clients and she was always talking she would go to the factory she got these boxes made for her e-commerce you know probiotics and things like that and she would post and she'd bring her baby and it was just and she's making these videos all the time and it was it was gold it got so many followers and hits and likes and, and really was wonderful for the business so that's my tip do you guys have any questions for somebody
0: um for somebody who might not have like a team or a lot of knowledge because they're doing everything themselves what do you suggest they do when it's time to review what do they look like so looking at impressions and the statistics is great but then what yeah
1: right i mean well i mean like that's why i say take the top you know take the top five or the top you know performing posts that you can look at and see you know what about these posts is resonating with people is it you know sometimes i think too we can get we want everything to be so perfect and people often identify more with the post They're personal something you know um about it seems off the cuff and i know it's hard to plan that all the time um but you know think of ways that you can do it um come up with, you know, maybe like, what are, what are some of, Yana, tell me an example of what you're struggling with. Exactly. Oh, so
0: like, uh, for example, sometimes, uh, customers have an issue with, um, you know, being told that certain things don't work. And then they look at us and like, well, this is what our business is about. This is what we're used to. Um, like we can change the tone, but how do you change, the way you sell something, if you're not selling it, so sometimes it's just like ingrained in their business, and no, so and, and it's and not necessarily my job to tell them. So sometimes I, I give them something based on logic, um, but doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help their business grow.
1: You're, you're absolutely, absolutely right, and that's the biggest. It's like sometimes I'm banging my head, and and I'm even like giving the reports and trying to, you know, going back and forth between giving them the hard truth and you know the soft truth that they want to hear that oh this is all great everything that you're that you want to do or that you've been doing the whole time is great um what i have what like think of campaigns or things that you can fit in there that are more personal like for let me give you an example um we have a customer that uh is a meat packaging company Um, they do european meats and things like that and a lot of their content was looked like an ad, you know, just pictures of food, pictures of products. So we came up with an idea to do um, a meat lover contest with their customers and have the customers submit photos of their favorite grilled meats. And then we could feature the different photos and even feature like most adventurous grill, um, most, most adventurous dish, but like, and for the client that was like a structured way to say, we're still going to do this branded, but we're going to take it in a direction that gets more user generated content and more lively. So like, I think thinking of stories that you can tell, Justin could talk forever about this too, Um, like stories that you can tell and maybe sell those stories to your customer and get them on board. Another one is like even just employee of the month, that Bernie Sanders and most companies will get on board with that. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the employee sends in the photo, you know, try to like not brand up the photo too much or, you know, I found like typically the photos that I post on social media, if I, um, if they're overproduced, they don't do as well as the ones that look more just like this one, like this, this lady where it's just more off the cuff. And, it's not and a like great
2: that. photo, but it's real and it shows emotion. And sometimes it's hard for us marketers to keep our hands off. <laughs> like I, I looked at the photo, I want to frame her differently, but uh, it's real. And it's it looks spontaneous, right? I think that's what what is the appeal to that. I think sometimes we just gotta leave our grubby hands off of things. <laughs> yep,
1: yep, exactly. Yep, so that's my tip. Any other questions? All right, um, Yana, Tori, you wanna go next?
0: And then oh, Justin, sure. and
1: then and then we'll
0: wrap it up. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, so today I wanted to talk about the evolution of spam filters. I keep telling everybody what they can and can't do, and uh, <laughs> let's talk about how things work or how they've they've become, uh, and they've come to be. So back way when. Uh, I was a baby and I wasn't using email. Um, it was the Wild West. Uh, people used to, you know, grab as many IPs, as many emails as they could and send out their their blasts and just, you know, hope it landed somewhere and somebody interacted with it. And it used to work. People were very excited about it. And then we got very annoyed about it very, very quickly. Uh, back then, people used to take care of their own infrastructure. So if, you know, um, if you had a business and you needed to protect yourself, you would come up with certain rules that would stop certain various actors, and usually it was after they had done something. And sorry for my dollar store version of Janis Joplin voice. Um, the weather doesn't like me here. I apparently need more humidity in the, in the air. <laughs> Um, so what would happen is the mailbox providers would try to intervene. You know, usually they would it would be after something happened. So somebody would spam from a particular place and then we would just block that place. Uh, and that was it. Then we realized that we needed something that was maybe more community based and that everybody needs to take care of and, you know, help each other grow it. So then um, the mailbox providers started allowing certain businesses to be whitelisted, meaning any traffic coming from X, Y, Z could come in because we trusted them and also started looking at keywords uh we found that people were copying each other's like spammy you know phishing, spoofing kind of well phishing spoofing they were they were copying other people's brands they were trying to to oversell you know think all those like beautiful emails we used to you know forward to each other and people were like don't do that there's like Mm -hmm. stuff in the email don't open the email don't download the the things um So content filtering was really good, but that really hurt people uh, in certain businesses, you know, like certain medicinal properties of certain stuff is not fine when it's a scammer. But if a pharmacy or pharmaceutical company is sending it, it's totally fine. Why are we blocking through content? And of course, a lot of block lists came to be. So these are like independent organizations outside the mailbox writers, outside the businesses that are just receiving a bunch of email and trying to learn and and grow to make better decisions. So this is where the IP reputation came in. So we wanted to see, so, so you know, tools came to be, people weren't using their own infrastructure to send one-to-one. Um, people started sharing infrastructure. So you think, you know, the MailChimps and the constant contacts of the world, they had a bunch of IPs that multiple customers could send from. Um, so then what do you do? Then it becomes more complicated again. So now we're lo- starting to look at spam complaints. Not that we did not before, but we're starting to make decisions based on them. So we had the bounces. You know, you're sending emails to people who don't exist. We should probably penalize you if you keep doing that. Um, people are complaining about your emails. You should get penalized. It was very black and white, let's say. Uh, we've got a bunch of feedback loops, which is all these answers coming back and forth from sending uh, places all the way to the receiving uh, places and they started automating a lot of these decisions if you have too many spam complaints block for xyz amount of time Um, if you're emailing people that are you know constantly bouncing then you're probably not emailing people you know and it just started being automated so of course certain things for certain business types it could become an issue uh because of the business they're in. So I don't know. If you're thinking about adult websites, sometimes people tend to put fake email addresses. Is it really their fault that they you know, they send a welcome email or I don't know they send a welcome email. They send emails and they bounce a couple of times, especially where the tools don't automate. Um, you know, After four bounces, stop emailing them. That was still not a thing so much. So people are getting penalized for good reasons, and some people are getting penalized just because that's how their business model worked. So then they started, you know, they're like, no, screw this. Um, we need more information. People are complaining. Things are going too fast. The amount of emails being sent out in a day is like growing way, way, way too fast. And <clears throat> we decided, and I, that's what I call it the Equifax of email. We're starting to put reputation. We care about the sender. The IPs are great because, you know, MailChimp and Constant Contact are taking care of them, but who's really creating the issue? It's not them, it's the senders. Which side note, if you keep moving email marketing service providers because things don't work well, it's probably you the problem, not the sending tool. They have an army of people like me that work there. Um, they know what they're doing. They know everybody. They can literally call Google and say, we're good. Um, so if you move around and things are good at the beginning and then they go down again, you need to change something on your end. So back to the real story. Um, domain reputation start becoming important. Um, We care about the engagement you have with users. And we want people to interact with your emails. We want people to to reply back. People can reply back to a campaign. It's it's an email. It doesn't stop there because, you know, you sent the campaign from, from Walmart or the pharmacy. Right. So we started looking at the domain reputation. Certain inboxes had a lot of money. They could you all these algorithms and these AIs that would make better decisions and would learn. Others are still a little bit late. They're still looking at, you know, block lists and, you know, taking their information to account because they cannot possibly look at all this and go through data in order to make better decisions. Also, there's a little bit like a spice for every little inbox. Some people care for more things like uh, content and engagement. Others might care about content engagement on IP level instead of a domain level. Uh, So there's a little bit of spice here and there, but the logical overall way is That your domain reputation is going to be affected if people don't resonate with your message they complain they don't open um the amount of people reduces which is why buying a list can hurt you very quickly lately you know you have a you know if you're emailing 500 new people a day at the end of the week the percentage of people who engage with you is tiny because you've emailed so many new people that don't care about you um and the inboxes are catching you when they do this um this is like you know the amount of, you know, we all keep talking about how data is like one of, is like a really, really good industry to be in. It's like a trillion dollar industry. This affects us as senders. And now um, the issue is that the spam filters have the capacity to update their spam filters rather quickly. So there are things that, you, and I love the sentence, we always did this. We've done this for 15 years. That's a problem. Into my ears, spam filters are updated like a bazillion times in between. What makes you think you don't have to change the way you're doing marketing to follow those trends? And there are security trends. We always forget that we hate receiving 45 emails from Walmart or Target because I bought a baby shower gift and now I'm getting diapers in my inbox. I'm like, I don't have a child. Um, one gift is not enough to change the whole algorithm and you know shoot me 35 emails about your diapers that are on special. And then we go to work, and then we're all like, How can I make more money? Let's send more emails. We really need to take those two emotions and like squish them together and use the logic that we have um, when it comes to social media. We know that if you post a picture and people don't engage with it, it's going to be shown less on the feeds of people that are actually following you to the point that if that continues, even the people who you know and follow, you might not see those pictures anymore. And if you're really good at social media and you're you know, posting good pictures, not only will you be going to your circle of followers, you might go outside of that and get some new people as well. Now, with email, unfortunately, you don't get the more people as well, but the more people as well will be translated as in when new people subscribe let's say google for example google will compare them is it you know do they interact in their inbox like yanatori or do they interact like yanatori's father who might not know that much about security and subscribes to things that are not always legitimate so i might not get an email even though i just subscribed and my because my inbox is going to try to guess what i'm going to do with those emails and this is a losing battle you don't want to like lick your finger and try to figure out what Direction the wind is blowing. You want to have all the control. You don't want Google deciding for you where those emails are going to land. And I'm not talking inbox promotions or updates. I'm talking inbox spam or nowhere. Um, unfortunately, the the security of I, I like to call it the 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 negative annoying security protocol. We want to reduce the amount of friction. We want to reduce the amount of volume people are getting. I mean, all these emails have to be stored somewhere. It is a lot easier to say Yanatori is never going to care about this. Um, the easy stuff, like I'm, my father lives in the states. I sometimes go to stores and then I go back home. And when you guys have elections, I get all these emails about elections, and I'm like, I don't vote. I don't work here. I obviously didn't give my email to some. You know, where are you getting this information? So. I know how the email world works. I just prefer to unsubscribe. Um, But a lot of people are going to report it as spam. And that's a huge red flag. You have a computer deciding for you or a human telling the spam filter, I don't like these emails. Certain red flags are stronger than others. And now Google and Hotmail and Yahoo, everybody, the Verizon family, they're trying to figure out what the perfect middle ground is. And you're going to see it's going to hurt like the... um, how do you call it, the um, accountants right now, it's tax season. They're, they tend to buy a lot of lists, which proves that they don't, they don't know their customers because of the way the customers interact with those emails in their inbox. And now this year, the big scam of the year in the United States is uh, PPP loans, the payroll protection program or plan. And of course, the accountants are sending emails talking about it. They have so many red flags, though, that that one extra, which is talking about the BBB loans, is making their emails on a spam. Tax season is definitely not the season to get the accountant's emails in your spam folder.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so it is quite interesting to, to have conversations with, customer, <laughs> with customers who are not able to inbox correctly anymore, but still holding down that I've been doing this for so long. So it's really important. We need to like change hats. User you know, consumer hat and say, do I like this email? Uh, then probably my customers won't if they don't. And then just be real. The world is changing. Technology is changing. We also need to change the way things we're doing things and sending that regular email once a week, um, doesn't work anymore. That's, uh, it's fun so times even, for me. <laughs> even
1: once a week, is that too much if it's not good? It depends on your audience. That's the thing. Uh-huh.
0: Google and the spam filters have become smart enough that instead of just looking at these, you know, she pays her bills and times, everything's fine. We should give her a million dollar house. Now they're like, well, the economy is not doing that well. She might be paying her bills on time, but is that enough? What if something, they're trying to be more complicated and make better decisions. So mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really, 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 uh, it's fun. Um, it's less fun for the marketers, actually. I think they're the ones that have the biggest issues because they have their, their bosses that use how their positions and the bosses might be pushing for a specific type of way of doing things. And they're like, we don't do this on top of the ideas that every generation comes up with. Um, so they're the ones having a hard time. And instead of blaming the fact that their sending practices might not be that great. They're blaming the marketing. Oh, your subject line wasn't good because all the marketing in the world is not going to save you if people don't get the message. It's it's very obvious to me, um, but people have this innate belief that if you send an email, people are going to get it. I'm a legitimate business. Why would Google not love me anymore? Like, what did I do? It's it's what you didn't do. You didn't reduce your volume. You didn't target people correctly. Uh, You're sending the same message to everybody. You're buying lists. You know, my favorite exercise to do is imagine All email people just disappeared off the planet, alien invasion, and you guys were in charge of creating your spam filters. What rules would you come up with? Usually when we do this exercise, businesses come up with the the rules that would block their own emails. Like, well, if there's two companies across the world that have the exact same list, they probably bought it. You buy lists. Why? But it's legal Mm -hmm. in the United States. It is legal. Of course it is, as long as you have an unsubscribe and an address, but Google doesn't care. So uh, it's it's uh, a <laughs> sometimes it feels like a catch twenty two, but I think the real reason is that we we have a hard time stopping. You know things have worked so long. Why will we change our whole business? Why do we have to do research? It costs money. You know doing these A/B test campaigns again. It, but you're losing money when thirty percent of your emails are not landing in the inbox, and you don't know which thirty percent. Um, so to me, is how much you know are you valuing your lists and the interaction with your customers? So maybe, you know, switch that over to um, research and understanding your customers. I don't really see an issue trying to understand our customers through social media, which is literally somebody else deciding where the picture is going to be shown and to whom. Um, Of course, we know how it works a little bit and we can kind of manipulate it. But with email, you have, if you have good deliverability, you have 100% of the control. Who gets the message at what time and what the message is. With social media, you put a picture and you just like, pray the algorithm the God algorithms are gonna come and save you uh, with email you have control who you're talking to so it's up to you um but I am annoying I know that I can be very annoying when I come in like <laughs> my emails are not inboxing and it's like you have to do this and this and that's like well, we never had to do that. So it's like a, a circle conversation. I can see the conversation coming.
1: <laughs> Yana yeah, no, Tori is it is 30% about the average of how many emails are
0: not delivered. Yeah at the moment that's, that's the average at the moment. Uh, a cool can a cool just- thing. Do they just, where do they go? Uh, they go to spam or nowhere. So nowhere. like social media, Janet Tori hasn't opened the American Walmart emails in a while. She's not gonna get them. Mm-hmm. Um, of course there's some, there's some intelligence there. So for example, you are thinking, you know, you Googled, uh, a flight to Tokyo five years ago, and then you get an email every single week. Do you want to go to Tokyo today? Do you want to go to Tokyo today? <laughs> so you might report those as spam and not get them anymore. But if you mm-hmm. do buy a ticket, they, you will get the receipt and the information in the inbox. There's, they're able to make the difference, but not always. I mean, it's a computer at the end of the day. Um, So it's really, really important. The worst thing you can do is get people to to click on spam. And the other thing is to to send to spam traps, to emails that are purposely done in order to catch you sending emails to people who have not subscribed. And it affects Mm -hmm. you even if countries where the laws aren't that strict. And I mean, California is strict. New York is coming up. I don't think anybody in the United States can make the difference between a a Californian at gmail.com and a New York one or an Illinois one. So It's better not to buy lists and to figure out now before you really have an issue, how you can go on the organic route. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe email might not be your first touch point anymore. LinkedIn would be, or also LinkedIn is kind of spammy. (laughs) I don't know what you guys get in your inboxes on LinkedIn, but I get a lot of stuff. Um, But that's the thing. Now is the time to start switching because you're going to be very, very disappointed uh, when one day none of your emails land in the inbox at all. So now is the time for the uh, email evolution within your company.
1: Does anyone have any questions for Ya Tori? Any other questions?
3: Uh, no more of a comment or discussion point, but um, you know a few years ago, we would talk to people about uh, that were building big followings on social media or YouTube subscribers, and we would say, that's rented ground. At any point, that platform could yank those people from you, always be converting those people into emails. Right. So, and I know you're not arguing against having your own, you should always have your own email database of organic <laughs> opt-in emails, but anywhere you've got them in, in, on uh, digital, you're trying to move those people to a uh, conversion to an email lead at some point. Of course. So you have to now that also doesn't protect you. Right. Cause if they unsubscribe or they block or even report you as spam, which yep. some clients do unknowingly <laughs> uh, it happens. Uh, but I, I think that your safest spot is, uh, is still email. Yes. Because it's got that great ROI, but you're exactly. right. They're, they're just going to make it harder. I mean, the new Apple laws, the GDPR coming over here, they're just going to make it harder and harder for us to yeah. use email.
0: It's, it's, it's up to us to change the way we market through email. You know, we don't we can't do those like, you know, weekly emails where we, you know, add a blog post, like read our newest blog post. If people are not, don't care about it, you're wasting volume, you want to have high engagement. And, you know, 30% open rates, I mean, even was it Verizon that said in 2017, 60% of those are fake. So your 30% is not 30, it's 10 so right. you're already at 10 and now Apple and Google and Yahoo, they've been blowing up those open rates because spam filters can check, especially if you have a high phone base people opening, that's where the spam filters will open. It's horrible. So send people the message you want, they want, and don't send it to everyone. Just send these people what they want. And these people what they want. That's right. the problem. It's a lot, of work.
3: <laughs> a lot of work.
0: It is a lot of work.
3: <laughs> yeah, we've got a, we've got a roofing client and he doesn't have a huge database but he, we talked about segmenting. So he's got insurance, uh, insurance brokers versus residential, but also then um, commercial, you know, and it, it, again, these aren't huge lists, but if you want your open rate to go up, you send the right message to the right person, right? So so it takes more work, more billing, but uh, you, but you're now you're sending these little lists and you can say, look, your engagement is much higher for that uh, and click throughs so then uh, ergo click throughs generally follow that. But yeah. that's, you know, as marketers, you're right. Yeah, uh, that's what we bring to them and say, this is going to be annoying, but uh, we think this is going to work better. yeah
0: and there's so many tools that can automate it like cake mail has a free automation tool like from the beginning on the free account if you want to have all these lists and tag them and do all these like magical things uh, you can you can automate it finding the right tools sometimes help Mm -hmm. and people forget that the emails don't have to scroll 25 times i mean how many times have you scrolled and read a whole email we just pan so if you have a five messages that gives you five emails to write. Like don't right. don't put it all in an email if you yeah. don't have especially if you don't have the time. That's what I like to tell people because most people have a really long email. One call to action per email. Yeah. One is enough. Uh, people are, it gives more chances people receive them, or you can send five different emails to five groups of people. I think it's uh, segmentation is key. And the, the yep. spam filters know it. They can they can tell who are all the con- the contacts that you've ever contacted using Gmail they know and they're like oh this time is these people all oh, this sometimes these people oh these people it, they're 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 pretty quick pretty fast and they've got millions if not trillions of dollars invested into them over the last you know 15 20 years um, I mean they make mistakes too so why give them any opportunity to make a bigger one under yeah. our name yeah indeed all right, Justin, you ready
1: for your tip?
2: Sure, yeah, I'm um, we'll share. I got a presentation. Awesome. Uh, I think you have to disable the sharing.
1: Let's... Or enable it. You should be able to. Um...
2: It says host disabled participant screen sharing.
1: All right, I'll make you the co-host, try that.
2: Here you go all right um is it big for everybody can everybody see it yes
1: um
2: so uh last month uh, i talked a lot about uh advanced uh, copywriting um and in business communication so thought i'd talk about uh product launches today so so seven tips for uh marketing your next product launch um number 1 is try to launch with as big of a splash as possible as opposed to trickling out. So in the product world you have you have waterfall and, and iterative approaches in marketing um, having a bigger approach uh, will give you often give you a, a much bigger uh, splash and um, sometimes that may be difficult um, with the amount of time it takes to develop some marketing content like video uh, but it's it's worth to it's worth it to, uh, figure out how the timing of everything so that you can try to launch something within a, within a week uh, time span. I've, I've seen the ROI um, differences and it's, it's pretty telling. Um, here, here's one. Um, ownership is everything. So on a team, uh, try to assign black dot owners to particular topic areas like one person will own content, another person will potentially own ads, or customer communications or PR, and they're not necessarily doing the work. They may be working with an agency, um, um, or freelancers, or other people doing the work. But they're in charge of it, and they're the ones reporting uh, reporting on the ROI or reporting on the strategies behind that. Um, it's good to it's good to have for everybody to have ownership of of, of their area. Otherwise. You never know who to sign uh, kudos and and blame to, and things uh, often don't improve. Um, You've heard me talk about this before, but positioning always comes first. Um, Make sure that you have a solid positioning and messaging strategy um, for your product launch. Um, How is it different? What does it do? Uh, How is your message going to resonate? what's your icp your your customer profile etc cetera? Um, all this should always come first and and all of your uh social media your copy or everything else should be springing uh from this and i do this every time i launch a feature or a product um, and it helps immensely it saves time and it ensures consistency of all of your communications Um, I mentioned this a little bit, but make sure you bake in that time, you know, product delays will always happen. Um, It will 99% of the time, something will be late. And that includes the marketing. So make sure that as your product team is working um, on a product, uh, whether it's a tech company or something else, make sure that you have the most accurate visual assets so that you can build videos and social media posts and other things. And make sure that, again, that you're baking in that extra time um, because you don't necessarily have to have your marketing launch the day the product itself launches. And sometimes you don't because there may, they may be bugs or something that the team will want to fix. So it's okay to launch your marketing a little bit later. Um, here's a big one. Uh, simplify. So don't have 20 goals. Make sure you you really force yourself to have one goal, what's your, you know, what is the goal to have, you know, whatever that is, make sure that you're wrapping all of your marketing strategies and tactics uh, around that goal. And if you're finding extra things, then maybe you need to focus a little bit more. Um, Shotgunning is going to provide much less ROI than than focus will. And this is a tough thing for all of us to do because we all want to check the boxes, but Checking the boxes doesn't always deliver ROI, focus does. Um, Here's one, uh, communicate to other people on your team. Um, And as we're all marketers here and we all run into this that everybody thinks they know our job and everybody thinks they know what, what we do because we can all send an email, we can all take a picture, we can all write a headline. Um, But in reality, most people do not know what marketers uh, do on a day in day out basis. So communicating that marketing is a strategic vehicle um, will help people feel better about the marketing and it will ultimately potentially hopefully lead to bigger budgets uh, down the line. So part of your job as a marketer is to communicate to other folks on your agency or, or or your company. Um, I'm really, really big on this. And then finally, when the product is launched and all of your great marketing has come out, um, do a retro. So look at what went well, what you did good, what you did bad, um, what you would do differently. And you'll be really, really surprised if you've never done one of these, how useful they are as a tool. And just be honest, like, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to do things that you wish you did differently or things you didn't do that you wish you had done. It's it's inevitable. So write those down and, and have a shared document somewhere about a retro from every product launch. Um, and that's what I got.
1: Thank you, Justin. That was awesome. Yeah, it's always um,
2: good.
1: Does anyone have any questions? I have a comment. I love the Um, simplicity part and the focus part. I think both of those are so critical because there's so many things that we can focus on. I mean, we do not have a lack of options in terms of reaching people today. Mm -hmm. So it's so important that we like to get things done and do it well, you have to target, you know, your audience, target what you're doing, target your message, and stay on task and keep it simple, like. There's so many idea people in marketing. I find that people will throw stuff and, oh, let's do this. Oh, let's do this. We're not even doing the other thing that we said before that we were going to do well, you know, um, let's like figure this thing out first before we,
2: I think it's so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so much better to do, you know, two or three things really, really well than do six things, um, mediocre, um, in, in this day and age of information overload
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, that that focus is is so crucial and it's it's hard it's like not overproducing producing a picture right it is a discipline to cut out the chaff and 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 focus for sure yep mm-hmm.
1: yep uh
3: justin on slide three uh assign black dot owners what does that mean
2: so um, on a, on a marketing on a marketing team or for example and this can apply to the agency world as well uh, but on a, on a marketing team you're gonna have a lot of different areas of a product launch so you're gonna have you, you know you're gonna have an ad strategy right you're gonna have customer communications or you may even break it down by channel email for example right what, however you break out your your marketing, um, strategies and tactics here, make sure that you have individuals who own, say, let's just say content. Let's say you have an individual who owns all content. He or she may not necessarily be writing or producing the content. They may be managing an agency. They may be, um, doing whatever, but that person is in charge of the strategy, right? The execution and the reporting, um, Uh, of, of that. Otherwise, you know, if you have, you know, if you have somebody that's doing something else, they may not know exactly what's going on in the content world. So having individuals own it, it gives them a sense of ownership. It gives them, it gives your team uh, an ability. It it just makes sure that things are done, frankly. Um, And I've seen this work um, so much better and I've seen the opposite where nobody owns anything and right. things just disappear in the ether
3: yeah or when everybody owns it
2: oh yeah exa- or nobody exactly owns it, right. yeah right. that doesn't yeah that's even worse
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's great uh yeah I, uh, I like Justin's presentations I always learn something from Justin thank you which is why we're trying to work together on a project. So spoiler alert. Hopefully we get them inside. Um, this is great.
1: Sweet. <clears throat> all right, guys. Um, I think that's all of our tips for today. Yep. So um we're done a little bit early, but uh it was great meeting. It was so good to meet you, Tuab. I'm glad that you were able to come. Howard, always good to see you. Love yes. your um your feedback and questions and things like that. Justin, thank you so much, John Tori. We are all better equipped to handle email marketing because of your brilliance. So thank you so much. So, uh, everybody have a great day. We'll be sending out emails about the next Sogro marketing council meeting, which is the third Tuesday of every month. So the next one will be May 17th. So
0: Thank you for listening to the Sogro marketing council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SogroPR.com. That's S O W growpr.com and click on the marketing council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep
1: growing.